0: Yo 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 yo! How is everybody? Fine. Outstanding. I am delighted. Cock a hoop. Barnstormingly pleased to hear it.
1: How is your uh, new nice no. no, lanky?
0: <laughs> turn up. <laughs> oh, the
1: other pole is back.
0: Uh, never mind. <laughs> good, good things don't last forever.
2: welcome to another edition of the race department podcast your favorite sim racing and motorsport related one at that we are back once again for the renegade master Hope you are all doing well and had a wonderful summer. Now that the weather has started to cool down, we have decided to get back into the hot seat. Now, I had planned on what we'd be discussing this week, but there were some cross wires and we somehow ended up doing another listener questions edition. So you have to wait a couple of more weeks to find out what that delicious thing I picked from the tree of topics. So now it's time to introduce my fellow podcasters who have squeezed into the RD virtual studio. Firstly, the man who cannot seem to understand basic English and who wrote an article I didn't ask him to write. It's Mr. I'm all over the internet right now, Jeffrey. Hey,
0: hey. I, I blame complete and utter miscommunication and a poor definition of the requirements needed. You asked me. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I do have evidence, you well, know, audio evidence. You, you asked me what I needed to write originally, like three weeks ago, and then sent me a message saying, oh, just a reminder about that article. I'm like, I don't know what it is, so I'll just guess. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> it's all good. You, you could have checked in with me. I could have done, but I, I, I thought I'll throw the dice and see what happens. <laughs> but hello, mate, and hello, everybody listening at home. Good to be back. <laughs> Love it.
2: The, the mind of Paul Jeffrey, guys, the mind of Paul Jeffrey. Uh, Secondly, some say he loves Ferrari too much and it's easy to wind up on text. Who would do such a thing to
1: Davide Nativo? Hello, Davide. You can never love too much Ferrari. (laughs) (laughs) How are you? Fine, mate, thanks. How are you? Yeah,
2: I'm very good, thank you. Very good. Good to hear your voice. And at last but not least... He, do you know what? He said today that he would kindly buy us all the new Aston Martin Simrig, even though it costs more in euros than doesn't even include delivery costs. It's Danny Montiero. I don't recall having said that. Well, I think he did, didn't he guys? I recall him saying oh, that. Yeah, I was was like, that. Were,
0: yeah definitely. you were not even here
3: yet what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, we have, a lot of, uh, we have a lot of text conversations, uh, especially when, a, a, when we're nearing a podcast re- recording, uh, the conversation goes up, that's for sure. So this is Season 2, Episode 7, would you believe? We did take a bit of a break, and to be honest, it's because it just gets so goddamn hot, and I really can't be bothered to sit in a hot room recording a podcast. And I know it, for David Day, he's still got his fans on, so um, it's still hot in good old Italy. Um, So we did this before, I think we did this uh, episode maybe 10 of season 1 where we did a questions session. So we got a few questions uh, from our dear forum users. I've closed the thread off just before we started recording this and I picked a few from the list. But the first one actually comes from our new Discord would you believe it? And it's uh, from Michelle Espósito. I, I don't know if I pronounced that right. Apologies for getting that completely wrong. I do sound bad at pronunciations. He says it would be interesting to discuss the contrast between people loving the GT4 in ACC and at the same time preferring always GT3 online. Ooh, ooh, ooh. It seems to me that the enthusiasm for the multicast racing in ACC has died a little. It's strange and I think it's worth an interesting discussion. Oh, can
0: I take that one? Can I take that one? That's yeah, exciting. Yeah. Oh, thank you for the question because you've actually broke into my house and picked that from my very brain. I'm gonna do a video on it in the non-too-distant when I can find a few minutes spare to record. I am perplexed, absolutely perplexed. As anybody who watches RD YouTube will know, Race Department YouTube, I got hold of this along with a few other guys a little bit early. Did a little bit of content about it and did a, a, an online race with a few other YouTubers. Blown away by it. Absolutely mesmerized, thought these cars are the definition of what superb looks like. They're just so much better than GT3s. They're incredible for racing. They're a bit slower, so I fully anticipated. Awesome online racing. And obviously, in an online world, you can do multi-class too, which is fabulous. Not in the offline, but in the online you can. Really, really uh, stoked for it. They released. Everybody seemed to agree with me. They all went bonkers. Yeah, that's brilliant. They got Steam number one sales charts for the week or whatever it was. Thought, yes, happy, happy days. Then I've been a bit busy, so I've not really spent a lot of time driving annoyingly. Fired up my rig. Thought, yeah, it's gonna have me some GT4 racing, Poof, nothing <laughs> dead. All servers, GT4 specific servers, three people at Monza. Subtopic for another day stop picking Monza, it's annoying. Uh, <laughs> really <laughs> yeah, gets on my yeah. nerves. What an awful online trike! Stop it. Uh, but there were three people at Monza in a GT4, and that's basically the most I've ever seen in GT4 in the following weeks. And then I do multi-class, thinking, yes, gonna get my Maserati out, do a last multi-class, 24 cars, happy days, I'm the only GT4. Why? Why? Because to me, it's really simple. All the ingredients are there, there's variety, the balance of performance is really good. The cars are all very, very different to drive, so there's something for every style. Audio, as you'd expect in ACC, beautiful. Uh, And they're a bit slower, and they're a bit more compliant, and they're uh, happier to go side by side, so it brings tracks like Zolder and Brands Hatch, to a lesser degree the Hungaro Ring and Mazzano and stuff, brings it back into the fold as a usable race racetrack. But nobody likes them, or nobody seems to take them online, and I don't get it. And in the early days, when they did first come out, it's sent to encourage all the nutcases, like all the really mental, lousy drivers that just completely forget they're in a racing sim and they think they're doing a three-lap, hot lap race on Project Cars 3 or something, just... I had to get a little dig in there for P 3, by the way. Freddy Bridge doesn't know me. I really despise that. Game. <clears throat> I
2: did notice. I did clock yeah. that. now you just spelled it out though. Just... I don't think in case it's missed. I don't like the subtlety. this I am No, the subtlety is what you just what you gotta you've gotta keep with the subtlety. A... You don't you don't spell it out
0: for I'm people? I'm aware Paul. that there's people that's English is not a first language. So I just want uh... I want my my disdain for the game to to spread throughout <laughs> the world. I don't think
2: it needs to be just your
0: <laughs> disdain, But I think it's the whole internet. No, I anyway. think they're doing a great job of that. But uh yeah. I'm just, I genuinely don't know. And it's a topic that I've, like I said, I want to do a video on it because it's its genuinely intrigued me. It's one of those few occasions where I'm sort of, whoa, this, everything's there for it to be exceptional. But I don't get it. I mean, guys, anybody else here, what do you think of this? Because to me, I've genuinely not got the answer. Yes,
3: I have an idea, which is, um well, a theory. Basically, Everybody was super psyched. Cyclo- oh my God, cool GT4s! We can have multi-class. So everybody was a multi-class. Multi-class will be so cool. But I think most people, first of all, I don't know if you've if you've had a fast car yourself, and then you suddenly have a, a slow car, or even worse, if you have to get the bus, you will hate it. And I think that's what happened to many people. First of all, uh, when they tried GT4s, oh they're cool, but they're so much slower. Right? It's much more fun to drive a GT3. So they just went back. And everybody that wanted GT uh, wanted multi-class basically. They just they just wanted everybody else or a lot of people to just drive GT4s to have multi-class, but they would still <laughs> want to drive GT3s. So, but they, when everybody wants that, of course it won't work. And that said, mm. I've seen a few and been in a few GT uh, multi-class races online, and uh, it's you been great. You did
2: endurance race recently, didn't you?
3: Uh, yeah, I've done a few. I did. I've done uh, 12 hours in a GT4 car, so that was. Most mostly did even we didn't even care about uh, where we were in GT4. We were basically just trying to survive as much as we could, <laughs> being overtaken by GT3s. That was the biggest challenge of the whole race, but that was a lot of fun though. I really enjoyed
0: it. So, whoever's not taking part is basically missing out because it's really great. Yeah, because that's the bizarre thing, isn't it? I mean, I know what, I totally agree, Danny, that you're saying about people are used to the faster cars and they get and get into the slower ones. It's not quick enough for them. But I thought that would be mitigated by the, just the sheer depth and quality of the handling and the physics of these GT4s. Yeah, you may be going 20k, 30k slower into a corner than in a GT3. and You may be braking 20, 30 meters earlier. But the feeling and the handling and the way that the car communicates with you, for me, is... I mean, this is controversial, but it's miles better than the GT3s in ATC. Yeah, but most people just want to go fast. Yeah, well, <laughs> it doesn't yeah, yeah. if it
3: feels okay or super nice. They
0: just want to go fast and GT4s are slow in comparison. So well, maybe I think that's the biggest reason. Maybe, maybe, sir, you've just hit the mystery question nail on the head because uh, I definitely can't come up with a reason why. It's, it's boggled me. You can still make a video about it, don't you?
2: Oh, mind. yeah, sure. I've got a, I've got a <laughs> confession to make. Um, I bought the pack and I've not raced any of the GT4s <gasps> get on See? some racing I'm sorry, and I'm oh, sorry oh, about Ethereum. that I really haven't had an opportunity to I guess I could test them offline but I haven't really had the opportunity to try them out in a competitive format what I have taken part in though is I took a part a, a, sorry I took part in a Porsche Cup round Spa and that was epic Everybody was racing the Porsche Cup, which is part of the same pack. That's a great car, that one. That's one and I've And it's a great car and thoroughly enjoyed it. And I've been encouraging where I where I took part in the event to do another one because I thought it was brilliant. I, I personally thought I would get into that Porsche Cup and hate it. And for the first four laps, I think I did. But then I, I worked out how to handle the car and it just meant some great close battles out on yeah. track and it was just a great car and it also gave me the feeling of achievement with that car more so than the gt than 3 There's more to
0: it, isn't there? And just, yeah, just to quickly clarify to everybody, the Porsche Cup is not part of the gt 4 Oh, sorry. The, well, but yeah, I, I yeah. overlooked that one because, again, I got the... Uh, was it version 1 that all the cars came to ACC, all the GT3s? I got early access to version 1, did some videos, and the Porsche...
2: Yeah, it was about the same time that the SRO yeah, stuff yeah. all kicked off, so didn't it? I did a it?
0: video with the Porsche Cub, and it was a Brands Hatch in the rain, and basically, all I did was a five-minute gameplay video and then totally overlooked it and then never revisited it again at all. And I was talking to Yardier other week and he's like, yeah, Porsche Cup's epic, man. It's proper good. And it I'm is, like, really oh, is an epic car. I'll give it, I'll give yeah. it a go. I've not really... But wow. like, So that,
2: that's a point there. You know, like, you know, I could... You're right. It came with the original uh, version one cars, but I thought it was part of gt And I'd never raced it until, what, about... Two months ago? It's
0: difficult to find a reason, though, because it doesn't come with 13 other different brand competitors. It's uh, it's, yes, it's, yeah, it's yeah. difficult yeah, there to is, carve out time.
2: There is that. There is that. But yeah, I, you're right. When you go online, there aren't many but there, um, places to kind of use the GT4s, but there are some good leagues out there which are starting to do multi racing. Right? Yeah. And GP.
3: There's, there's some also... Yeah, of course, they're harder to find than GT3s, of course, but there are some yeah. communities doing... Uh, a Porsche Cup only uh, championships with just the yeah. Porsche Cup cars. So that's also yeah. something you can, if yeah. you dig a little bit, you may, you may find. But yeah, of course, they're much less used, but they're a lot of fun, I agree. I've had a few races and they're a hoot to drive. And to you, Paul Glover, if you have even less excuses than David A for not playing the game because you have the GT4s and you haven't touched them, so I challenge you to do this. Just go into the game, you don't even need to drive, just need to press. Well, go to the game, pick the Maserati, go to the any track, doesn't matter. And just rev your engine. You don't even need to start moving. Just <laughs> yeah. rev the engine. And you will be like, oh my God, why haven't I done yeah. this? Yeah, I well. know, I know. It's, it's, it's terrible.
2: <laughs> David Dave, have you got anything to add?
1: No, basically. Because you don't own
2: the game, right? Yeah.
1: That's yeah. One, <laughs> which leads big, us to our next, one our next big, question, actually, one big quite nicely.
2: Though. Alex Townsend slash the GT Formula wants to know, has David A bought ACC yet?
1: No, man. <laughs> no, and why not? Uh, it <laughs> it's was on offer, WD. Yeah, yeah. It was on sale during. Uh, uh, no, not uh, after the Steam summer sale. But, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, it was like fifty percent off. Yeah. The problem was that uh, I s- stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll mute myself. No, I opened the page, uh, the Steam page. Are of, you
2: angry because of ACC, or are you are you angry because Ferrari are going
1: backwards? Which is it? Stop talking. is going to pick up the pace again and it's going to win 10,000 se- championships. It's so easy, it's so easy. It's like, it's no, child's play. No, the, but no, in all seriousness, why haven't you bought it? Because the, the game was on sale, but the DLC was not. So I said, I don't want to buy the game and then not have to play it. So I'll wait that uh, oh my until the DLC is on sale too. <laughs> no helping some people is there
2: guys i mean the, that know. was
1: basically my my fault so um
2: david I, re- I think you should take the next question okay um it's more of a serious one and i'll combine two of them so we got a question from bill golker which is uh, also his username is billy bob senna uh, okay. and he asked what will sim racing look like in five to ten years mm. but then alex townsend he just asked if you bought acc also asked where do you see or where would you like to see RD in the next five to ten years? He goes, I know we'll be a lot older, and I would still hope to be racing through mm-hmm. the arthritis and the old accident in the pants. Um, but where would you think you would see? You know, do people? Do you think people will still be playing ACC and classic content to keep the memories alive, or do you think they'll be more interested in the in the modern stuff?
1: Okay, so the um, uh, the first question, uh, the one about uh, how sim racing will look like in five to ten years. Yeah, uh, I have, I've actually read that on the forum some day ago, and I thought uh, that it was the <laughs> the least um, uh, the uh, how, do, how do, can I say the. Let's say, not the right person to (laughs) answer this question because if you would have asked me uh, five years ago, where would I have seen sim racing in five years? Um, I had the idea that uh, sim racing was going to be just uh, some sort of bubble that was going to burst sooner or later. And instead I was uh, proven completely wrong because uh, five years later, sim racing is uh, stronger than ever and the future looks bright at uh, at this point okay so let me
2: throw a a kind of a a a curveball at you there you're saying that it's i agree we're in some kind of bubble still i think and i think potentially coronavirus has lengthened that bubble Mm. perhaps or do you think will help the bubble to grow
1: and exist i think that uh, um we will see depending on how the Esports world in general, all, uh, all of the games, you know, not just sim racing, also, you know, FPS and uh, all of the other stuff that's in the esports world right now, mm-hmm. uh, that one is going to dictate how sim racing will fare, too. I believe. Uh, I repeat, I may be uh, the, not the right person to answer this question, but I think that uh, it's gonna uh, be the esports world that's gonna. Um, you know dictate oh, sim racing is gonna uh if it's gonna be successful or not in the uncom- uh, upcoming years but be- what
2: about away from sim racing itself and what about rd in particular
1: you know about rd um of course uh, rd is uh very much tied to sim racing of course so uh, the more sim racing will be success successful and known uh, and uh by people, the more uh, RD will, uh, will find uh, richness and grow, of course. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I hope that RD will be more and more um, an hub, a central hub for sim racer uh, to meet, to discuss, uh, uh, to raise uh, one another. Um, yeah, I think that what I hope for uh, RD is to be um some sort of place where uh, sim racers from all of the all of the all over the world can uh, can meet and share their mutual p- passion because uh, for me the the beauty of RD uh, has been exact, exactly that you no know, people like you for example uh, and much much more much more people with uh, you know each one of them having their specific background their story and uh, their specific talent, uh, and get to know them, and get them to know me. So uh, I think that uh, people is the treasure of RD, and uh, I hope um, that uh, much more will come to to us mm-hmm. uh, and um, in the the forum.
2: I think I think RD's chain will probably change you know when you see the launch of like sim race um, sim racing gp oh yeah for sure and, and other sites that are out there um potentially rd will just become more community based yeah and, that's and then okay. you'll have these platforms that perform the racing duties that we we, we would do potentially manually uh, before that
1: yeah, yeah, and that's what I hope. I mean, a place where people can come and say, "I want to play assetto course, "I want to play uh, race room," "race room," "I want to play automobilista." To each their own, but at the same time being uh, all in one spot uh, because uh, you know we all share the same passion and we get to do it together. So that's what I hope for the future of uh, RD. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's uh, good to see Paul Jeffrey paying attention when he's updating articles on the website. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> <Whoa>. Busted! Um, <laughs> no, yeah. um, Danny, have you got anything to add to the the five to ten years? Uh, uh,
3: yeah, like everything, it's a bit hard to know. Uh, I like. I agree with the fact that the uh, race department will continue to thrive, but more as a as a hub for people to get together and share. But yeah racing wise it might i think we've seen with sim racing gp and other platforms that the racing is going in into other platforms into other new ways of uh, gathering people together but uh, i think the website is has been and will, is strong enough to to keep on going and uh, getting people together
2: yeah but especially s- the down the downloads the mods just alone i mean
3: it brings so much traffic yeah i guess that's the that's the main thing and then yeah but then sim racing as a whole Ah, I don't know because uh, even with the well, with the bonus that sim racers have had with the coronavirus and all this, um, with the lockdowns and people in, like, getting into it, uh, it will just grow like everything grows. But I don't think it will grow more than uh, say other types of games. Or I think it'll just have a normal, steady growth. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, like uh, okay, let's say sometimes I I think oh I wish. Instead of like in motorsport, I've, I would just like football a lot more because I would just have to buy some boots and a football and that's much cheaper than spending thousands and hundreds of thousands in car and testing and so on. But then you think, okay, but I have sim racing, that's cheap enough. But then if you start comparing sim racing with other kinds of video games, uh, if you of course, if you don't think about a, a gamepad, but if you think about a wheel, even an entry price wheel, sim racing is actually one of the most expensive games to get into, uh, video games. So I don't think it will uh, grow exponentially. No, I think it will continue to grow just at the same rate, and it will still continue something quite specific that only us that like to simulate racing do. Mm-hmm. But it'll it'll stay as strong as it is now and grow, but not like uh, massively. But still okay. going strong, I think.
2: Alright, cool. cool. I'm not going to come to you, Paul, on that because I feel like you'll go on for about half an hour and we've got to move on. Yeah, good on. shout. So, so, um, good yeah.
3: shout.
1: <laughs> so uh So, next. Sorry, David Day. one last thing. Yeah, um, I was thinking while Danny was talking. Uh, one thing that maybe I would like uh, RD, RD to do uh, is some sort of uh, sim racers academy uh, because uh, when we were in the coronavirus uh, quarantine period, Uh, We were talking about, I remember Paul Jeffrey uh, talking about the fact that, uh, you know, uh, the attention was going uh, over to the professional drivers and we sim racers that uh, enjoy this and uh, make this world, uh, the world of sim racing happening, where we were uh, basically ignored 90% of the time. What if RD could uh, host some sort of sim racers academy, a place where we can, uh, uh, find uh, uh, talents in you know uh, those that we call aliens, <laughs> and uh, uh, have them grow, uh, have them participate. You mean in races. basically
2: launch like an like an esports team.
1: Yeah, of sort, but not just of uh, not just fixed uh, on a specific, you know, three drivers, and that's that. But uh, mm-hmm. active uh, in searching for new talents. I think I, honestly,
2: but... I think the resource required to do that would be a hella, a lot. Um, I mean, if you want to take the job on, by all means. But I haven't got time for that. No offense, people out there, but it would take a lot of time, a lot of coordination, a lot of resource mostly time, really. Would you agree with that, Paul? It would take a lot of effort to put, pull something like that together. Yes,
0: but then you've got platforms like some racing GP that are absolutely prime to be able to do that sort of thing because you can see the statistics and performance and engagement yeah, of the drivers. Yeah. So yeah. the old-fashioned way of... Having a cohort of X number of drivers, putting them through the paces, assessing them with judges is one thing, but we live in a very data-rich society now, and especially with sim racing and online competition in particular, that data's there, and these depends on what you want to do with it, and I think maybe there will be some exciting initiatives very similar to what Davide mentioned around SGP that I just don't want to go down that route we're talking about because it's way too early to have those conversations. Yeah,
2: I mean obviously a lot of that a lot of that depends on what information the games themselves chuck out, right? as well. Yeah, so of course. what is potentially possible on a platform like that. <laughs> but, I mean, possible, I have dude. been I have been doing races on Simulation GP uh, in a in a league and and it's great to see the information at the end. Um, there's more to come that from what I've read which I'm really looking forward to and there's more the other places can currently do at the moment around the statistics but I think they're just concentrating at the moment trying to keep the platform making sure the platform's reliable and testing new features and whatnot and eventually I'm sure the stats they'll be able to kick out will be beyond epic so I'm, um, I'm excited for the future of that right uh, okay so next question this comes from Jacob C62 and uh, let's see who wants to take this one. Let's imagine that Codemasters has everything they need to create a NASCAR title to go alongside their F1 series without sacrificing the quality of either game. What would, in your opinions, Code Masters have to bring to the table, not only to produce a game that NASCAR fans would choose over the Heat series, but also attract sim racers who might not even have an interest in NASCAR in real life. For example, he says, I personally feel as though dynamic rival r- rivalry system, or if you prefer, fluid, real-time and sim- and similar synon- synonyms, would have to be in place similar to the one using the A titles in the mid-2000s. Paul's put his hand up. Let's go to him.
0: The short version, and I will do the long, serious version afterwards. The short version is for Codemasters to produce a NASCAR game better than NASCAR Heat 5 or 6, whatever it was, Take no, marks, would it? it's basically don't pro- don't <laughs> produce a steaming pile of turd, and then you've won. So I have flushed things down the toilet that arguably are better than NASCAR Heat Six. Uh, it was awful, like not awful as in oh I don't like it, so I'm going to call it awful. It was awful as it objectively. This is awful. Uh, should never have been released. It's
2: basically, an, uh, uh, if I remember rightly, <gasps> looking at your review, Paul. It's a. a a game console port to PC but a poor one
0: but a poor one but a
2: poor one and they haven't even like changed the menu options so you don't know what buttons to press no literally
0: there's points in the game where it's quite literally press button 42.7DF squared
2: to be fair that's what (laughs) F one yes.
0: games tend to have in common actually the button. But if you do press the like... button on the F one games, it then brings you the equivalent PC button. It does. Up. Yes, it, it, does. it does. It's that awkward and it's poor on the F one games as well. But in NASCAR, it's just it's it's simply not thought through. Not thought. It's not okay. been any thought to it at all. But that aside, the actual core game is awful anyway. So the force feedback. Is, and I am no technical guru, so I might be speaking a little bit out of turn here, but it's like X-input devices, so they've not even configured it for a force feedback steering wheel. What they've done is they've just used, they've patched in some generic software out there that says, by doing this, equates to a left-hand turn, and this equates to a right-hand turn, so there's no linearity or development skill in going into making it into a force feedback. It could be a piece of cardboard with a spring on it. The system doesn't know. It's really, it's offensive how poor it was. So to answer the question in detail, I've said this a load of times, and I mean, I like NASCAR. I'm a NASCAR fan. I'm based in the UK. I don't have uh, Premier Sports or BT Sports, so I don't get to see the races live. So my, my, my watching of NASCAR has reduced hugely in the last few years, but I'm still very much a fan and I love the discipline of oval racing. So to produce a game that's NASCAR-centric, but in the same vein as Formula One, the 2020 Formula One, which I think personally is a fabulous title, and I'm still playing it today, which surprises me. Uh, If they could produce that (laughs) in a NASCAR space, then they're golden. So what NASCAR Heat does really well is bump drafting and drafting partners, either inside your team or people that you've, you've had a good experience with in the past, that's really, really smart but the rest of it, lose it So if you can replicate that, if you can have the fight where you've got like, uh, like the, the user submitted, some element of dynamic rivals where if you've had a big shunt with somebody, they don't like you and they'll hang you out to dry or won't help you. But you've got teammates and people that you've played nicely with in the past and they'll come off the pack and do some pack racing with you so you're not hung out or they'll, they'll bump draft or tow you and you can do a little bit of... Exactly what NASCAR is. I mean, essentially, it's a 500 mile race where 475 miles aren't important, and then the final run to the flag is. If they can replicate that, but in the <coughs> realism traded off with ease of access that Formula One is, oh, got yourself a real winner. Got yourself a real, real winner because even fans, even people who aren't NASCAR fans, if they're motorsport fans, I'm sure they would enjoy the pack racing aspect. Of racing on an oval if it was presented to them in an accessible yet still semi-realistic way, just like Formula 1 is, maybe with a bit of a career element around it as well. Uh, I mean, I can only imagine the multi-choice questions that you've got when you cross the line. Insert your 10,000 sponsor names and God to thank for the end of this race. That'd be awesome. you are going to press it really quick. I'd like to thank my Miller Lite, Chevrolet, Corvette racing. Pensky team, Miller driving, SO, Formula thing, and my family for this victory. That'd be awesome. Pressing all the buttons really quick to get it. But yeah, I think they could be a real winner, real, real winner, if they pick up the mantle and do it. But whether they do or not is an entirely different question.
2: Yeah, I don't know if it's got the same kind of mark, market. I think in the US the it would F1. because the US it's yeah, massive, not worldwide. I think that's where they because because F one in the US isn't necessarily as big as it is across yep. Europe. right? And that's the thing so though. That's what it's kind of flipped on my his head problem
0: a little. a little bit with studios such as Codemasters. And I, I t- I'm not criticising because I totally understand that they've, they've got to make as much profit as they possibly can. Going after the coin, yeah. buddy. And yeah. you see things like Riser Studios for AMS and Studio Three Nine Seven for R Factor and Kunos and all the the, the hardcore, shall we say, sims, they could make a hell of a lot more money if they produce a third-person shooter or a console game like Project Cars have gone down. But they do it because they want to make enough money to put food on the table and have a nice life, but not become billionaires out of it. Whereas Codemasters Mm -hmm. are going for the, the long game of more accessible for everybody and selling more units, basically, making more money. If you made a quality NASCAR game, in the US alone, you would earn a crust. Yeah, you so would, you're right. So let's just put some of those resources and skills and let's the Or IndyCar of course, as well. for An sure, IndyCar One for sure. would be would be banging. Yeah, I mean, it? Is, I mean to be fair, you can apply that to pretty much any series that's currently half decent. But if they could just make a good NASCAR game, get it out of the mediocrity that it's in now, you could you're not gonna lose money as a studio. You're not gonna go into debt. You're gonna make a few Bob, you can probably buy yourself a nice Porsche, but you're not gonna make tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions that they make with Formula One. And that's fine, surely. Let's Let's help the industry and give fans... End of the day, NASCAR fans are a very loyal bunch of people, especially in North America, and they've not had a game that warrants their level of dedication for the sport. And that, frankly, is a fan of motorsport. It's just, it's a shame, it saddens me that they've not had what they deserve, which is, aside from the NASCAR content in iRacing, but that's a bit different because it's the models, but not necessarily the whole series experience. The
2: license, yeah. They've not had what they
0: deserve, and they deserve a NASCAR game, pure and simple. They deserve it as much as a Formula 1 fan does, and I'd like to see that happen.
2: Okay. All right. Okay. Well I feel like that Paul's done that one to death, so we'll it's move nice, uh, we'll I'm move on. Just, I'm conscious
0: it's been that... a while since we've done one of these, and I just want to talk. I, I know. It's okay, mate. It's <laughs> yeah. all right, it's
2: okay. So right. I mean, it's not as if you haven't been talking everywhere else for God knows how long <laughs> doing your commentary and you're st- still chatting away now. Uh, okay, so let's see if David Day or Danny wanna take this one. This is from Mantas Isganastis. I've got no idea. Will the historic content appeal completely vanish from Sim Racing in the future? Who's taking Sorry, that
1: I, way? I, I couldn't find the <laughs> unmute button. I, Problem between keyboard and chair, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, okay, first of all, I think that the name is uh, Mantas Isganitis uh, because it's. Okay, uh, thank Greek. you. Yeah, I'm, I'm British.
2: You know, I'm a typical Brit. We're terrible when it comes to pronunciation. <laughs>
0: I mean, to be fair, Paul, you're a southerner, so you can't even pronounce English words. Where's the R in bath? Ooh. Where is the R Ooh. in bath or glass? Ooh. Ooh. Or lasagna? Shut <laughs> up! Where is it? Tell me. Shut Tell up, me now. I mean,
2: a man that has a hair in a state of yours has got <laughs> has got no leg to stand on.
0: So,
1: <laughs> go to the barbers. Sorry, David. Don't worry. Okay, the the question was, was the one about historic content. Huh?
2: Yeah, do you think historic content will completely vanish from race in the future?
1: Um, it's hard to say because uh, it depends on what on what we uh, consider as historic, as um, uh, Mantas uh, explained uh, in a later post. Because uh, if we talk about historic content in general, in general, no, of course it won't uh, vanish because. Uh, cars from, for example, the 80s, 90s, or uh, early 90s, uh, they will become historic content at some point, or even, you know, a 2020 F1 car, it will become historic content at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. But, uh, for example, uh, um, cars from the 20s or 30s, they are historic content, but uh, you don't see any developer making one for their sims. We see barely just some mother making some, but you can count them on the finger of one hand. So, for example, as Mantas was saying, cars from the 60s may become, uh, you know, uh, may vanish, disappear or become not popular anymore in uh, in the future at some point. That's something that uh, indeed might happen. It, it, it all goes with the uh, generations uh, that uh, uh, that live in a way, uh, and that play seems uh, in a more specific sense. Because for I think you just hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. Yeah. Because for example, I grew up. I grew up uh, uh, watching the movie Grand Prix, with, with uh, that is uh, revolving around the 1966 F2 F1 season. Yeah. So I love those cars. But if you talk to the majority of the people of my age, which is 30 years old now. Uh, they do prefer the cars from the 90s onwards. So if it was for them, you know, there was no need for cars uh, from the 60s or 70s in sims. So I think that, for, for example, 20 years from now, it might be very well that uh, no one will be interested in a, a car from the 60s, 70s, uh,
2: Okay, so what about if I throw this at you then? So we're all talking about, you know, we look at Formula E and we look at cars on the roads these days. I did an article a few months ago about, you know, is it time now to buy an EV? Mm-hmm. In, say, 20 years' time, racing may not be using a combustion engine. Mm. So to get anywhere near what a combustion engine may have sounded like or even feel like to drive... You might have to turn to a sim.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm, you make me think of an article that I've read some time ago, in which the uh, the writer was uh, saying that uh, it is li- uh, likely that in the future uh, combustion engines or you know cars uh, with a uh, in which in which something explodes inside. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Might become just like now uh, is uh, uh, riding an horse, uh, because he was saying, you know, a century ago. Uh, To move from point A to point point B, if there was a considerable distance in between, you had to take an horse, and they were uh, everywhere on the streets. Nowadays you don't see any. The only people that uh, have an horse is uh, farmers, (laughs) if they need one, or most likely people that ride them for sport. So Mm -hmm. uh, combustion engines might become just a sport in the future for, uh, you know, uh, not uh, uh, just rich people because, yeah, of course, like for example, caring for a horse requires a lot of money, but uh, there are not uh, uh, extremely rich people that can afford it. So it might become uh, possible for uh, a large group of people to to maintain a car with a combustion engine. But still, it will become some sort of a niche uh, uh, sport of sorts. Uh, And at the same time, you're right that sim racing might become a way to preserve them uh, as some sort of Mm -hmm. virtual uh, museum, we can say, for people that do not want to invest the money uh, of uh, having to buy one and uh, use them, use that just uh, for single events, uh, uh, things of the like. I don't know. I hope that my uh, my thought was clear enough. My idea was clear enough. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You tell me. Otherwise, I try to yeah, make no, a,
2: no, a, yeah, a
1: short
2: no Yeah, no, it makes it makes sense. I do, I do. You just made me um, think about. I think it might have been Porsche. That released a VR yeah, experience yeah, exactly. where you could
1: walk around like a Porsche museum. Yeah, with a very condensed version of the Targa Florio.
2: <laughs> yeah Please someone yeah. do
1: the entire version. <laughs> All of the... No, not Targa Florio, the Mille Miglia. Uh, oh yes, please do is, a uh, full
0: one, somebody. A thousand
1: <laughs> and six hundred kilometers long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was Porsche that made... Um, Uh, some sort of uh, yeah virtual museum of their cars and uh, the most important races in which they won so yeah yeah because i think yeah i think you're i think you're right when you talk about the age thing because obviously if you sat my dad down and
2: you were like oh you know what car kind of gets him kind of excited would be completely different to me you know when i was growing up yeah exactly you know kids kids had the lamborghini Kuntash on their walls yeah you know, like and now they have the, different,
1: different, different generations. Yeah, and, and now they have the LaFerrari, for example.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, you know, some would argue probably not as lively as as the Lamborghinis of old, but um, yeah, yeah, true. Oh, oh, Paul, what, what, what's the problem? Nothing. My pronunciation. Nothing.
0: nothing. I shall remain silent and just chuckle slightly to myself. You're, yeah, I know,
2: yeah. I looked like
0: you had a swear in it. <laughs> countash. 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 Countash, yeah, Countash. Countash. It's
3: fine. A Brit yeah. telling yeah. another Brit how to pronounce uh, I know, and ironic that I That's shouldn't nice. be telling
0: anyone to pronounce anything because I am awful at it, awful at pronunciation. Oh, yeah, but I, I, you know, I hold my hands up and I, I admit that I am
2: terrible. And even when somebody tells me how to pronounce something correctly oh, I mate. still I don't repeat I'm what saying, I hear
0: I'm about the episode of Friends where Joey's trying to learn French and Phoebe says <laughs> je m'appelle Joey je double I'm like that
2: oh what a great episode what a great episode oh one of the one of of the best TV shows ever and still amusing
0: Um, and entertaining today despite the fact I've seen every episode a million times yeah uh,
2: yeah, there's another TV show that I'm currently re-watching on Netflix which I've just forgot how hilarious it is and I'm watching that back at the moment okay thank you David I think you covered that extensively I think that was a good one for you thank you
1: I hope I was not too much confused (laughs) No,
2: no, no, you're good, mate, you're good. Okay, so I'm going to botch another name here. (laughs) Vil Nienemann? Yeah, so here we go. When talking about how force feedback feels, what is your usual preference for it? Um, He says, those who race in real life can obviously compare force feedback to the real thing
0: on track, but what about others? That's a really good question. That. That's a deep question. That one isn't it? Ooh,
2: yeah,
0: a question with no right because, answer. Because you
2: know, I've I've done go karting, for instance. I've not raced a Formula One car in real life or a GT three car. How do I know what I'm feeling, Danny? It's the right thing?
3: Yeah, it's the thing. Is everybody has an opinion about it, but in, exactly, almost nobody knows. And there's a second thing, which is even if you take, let's say, well as of today the latest let's let's imagine because we don't even know for sure but let's imagine that acc is the game that best models a gt3 car nowadays let's take one of those cars and let's say somebody that drove let's say an uh, an audi let's say a, an audi driver has a try with a, an audi on acc gt3 and he has whatever super high high end high tech wheel that gives a lot of feedback information on the wheel. But of course, as we all know, they're missing information about the g forces and so on. And then mm-hmm. there's a huge gap of information that you lose because ACC is modeling one type of tires, one only, uh, with data that is supplied by, well, in this case, Pirelli, which, of course, for those who don't know, date, uh, tire data is like black magic. It's just
2: there's, we did have a question about time modules, but I decided to exclude that because I thought that would take us down a complete dark yeah, rabbit I'll, hole.
3: I'll, I'll steer away from the rabbit hole and just say that. Basically, <laughs> it's like you have, like Jeremy Clarkson says, oh, you do like boom, 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 magic and something comes out. But mm-hmm. even the people that do like the Pajeka models and those things, it only works up to a certain amount of slip angle. And then after that, all the data can be reliable because of what well, rubber is something that changes... Uh, all yeah. the time so a game and, will never be good we, enough to represent a car and before you
2: get, get into the flow with this question um, I've got a friend of mine and it's a bit kind of this kind of relates to your comment about force feedback like it's a preference thing so I've got a friend of mine who I recently got into sim racing I've mentioned him before and I don't want to embarrass him but he basically tells me that iRacing is better than ACC when it comes to handling and tires wow. and but he's not uh, yeah, wrong yeah and yeah you're not yeah, wrong either, yeah, you know? yeah i know no, i know i know everybody listening i know he's a moron i get it he's a moron no, you're wrong
3: you're wrong what i'll tell you you're wrong well i mean you're not right by thinking the opposite but he's not like nobody's wrong you see how, no, how he
2: is wrong he is wrong <laughs> he's wrong he's allowed i can make him wrong <laughs> okay
3: if to you he's been like that's fine i don't know him so I... <laughs> that's not my point <laughs> but the yeah. thing is like the games will behave differently but how would you know for example that let's say from our limited knowledge okay iRacing racing as modeling a total t- different type of tire and i've i've heard this before on uh, imagine gt3 okay uh the number green 24 hours uh any Tire manufacturers allow there. So you see, let's take an Audi, which is a car that is used a lot. There's a lot of customer teams with it. There's Audis with Hankook tires, Michelin tires, Pirelli tires, um, Bridgestone tires. Uh, I don't know if there's any. I think Falcon didn't have tires. But imagine. The same car with four different types of tires and there was i think it was christopher meese a professional Audi driver he was saying that they all behave completely differently and like some are really based on the tires yeah, the car, it's like a different car in some in some aspects so so there right away you can say well there's no better game or better physics if the tire model alone can be a factor to change the behavior of the car completely and so if you put on top of that force feedback with different types of wheels with different settings so yeah pfft. it's completely subjective it can never like it's up it's at the end of the day it's down to feeling how many times you need to fiddle with the uh, settings until your brain yeah. says okay i have fiddled enough I like and that. now i like it and now i'm going to enjoy yeah. it that's when it's right for you basically okay david a uh,
1: yeah basically i agree with danny because uh, you know he was making the tires example that uh, the same car with the uh, four different uh, sets of, of tyres. The same car with four different sets of tyres has completely different uh, uh, behaviour. And every, Each and every one of us can experiment that when you, for example, change the tyres on your car. Uh, same season, so, of course, not summer tyres and winter tyres, which, of course, are very different, but, you know, summer for summer, or winter for winter, you change with a new set of tyres. Oh, is that how it works? I didn't know that. What? What? When you… I was being sarcastic, don't worry. Oh, come on.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so. The amount of disdain in Davide's voice when Paul <laughs> made that joke was outstanding. That's the highlight of my working day. Thank you, sir.
2: <laughs> no,
1: because I was, okay. I was thinking, you don't know what a winter tire is. <laughs>
2: no, I'm guessing. We do. We don't, really, we don't really use them in the UK though, do we, I've, Paul? They're not I've really a thing here. I've never
0: used winter tires. No, because I no. like having no grip, it's fun, it pleases me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those people where it snows and people stay in and you've got weather we warnings, we, and having we a don't, piece of We that.
2: don't get, we don't, not, not, unlike places like Sweden and Norway, etc., we don't get the extreme weather conditions. We just conditions. get lousy weather
0: all the time, so there's no point. Yeah, yeah, basically,
2: yeah. Um, and there are times where I, I look at my car and go, Oh, I wish I had winter tires, it'd be a, lot, be a lot better, but like, you'd need it for like two days a year, So, and it's a lot of money to fork out. But I, I guess, that. It, but it's also not just the snow and the ice, it's also the road temperature
1: in general. Yeah. But anyway, sorry David, I've taken that down another another hole. <laughs> no worry. No, I was saying, every one of us can experiment what uh, d- different tires uh, feel like when, you know, your tires have become uh, old and worn out and you change them for a fresh uh, set. As soon as you drive the car, it feels completely different. So then he's right in that regard. And he's right that uh, uh, every scene provides a different feeling uh, for for feedback uh, and, you know, for uh, physics and so on. So at the end of the day, you know, we can say that this one is more realistic than the other one and so on and so forth. But uh, I think that, as Danny is saying, you have to try them all if you can, of course, because they cost money. Try as much uh, as uh, as many of them as you can, and uh, at the end of the day, stick with the one that uh, um, you feel uh, uh, better with, in a sense. Uh, that uh, mm, how can I say it? That when you drive it. Uh, you feel that it is the right scene for you. <laughs> it's different. Uh, uh, I felt it when I first uh, drove Assetto Corsa, I immediately felt that it was giving me exactly the, um, uh, the feeling of the car that I was uh, looking for. For another p- person it could be for a race room or for uh, your friend for uh, with racing. Uh, I think that you have to stick with one that uh, you feel you gives you more fun or in uh, in other words uh, um, you feel uh, better when you drive it I, I mean my friend in question I think I have converted him though because he is
2: pract- currently he's been texting me and a couple of mates that have just my, I've got I've managed to get a couple of friends into sim racing this year and um, he's currently practicing Bathurst in ACC so yeah mm. um, I think I have kind of... I think he's kind of realised that I'm right and he's wrong, which is great. Thanks. P- puts a big smile on my face. <laughs> okay. But yeah. Um, uh, Paul Paul also, uh, you know, has made a valid point. Um, not verbally, though. But, you know, tyre pressures also affect the way the force feedback handles and, and, and how a car behaves as well. Especially, um, I did a race recently and the, the, the race was at where was it was it barcelona i think it was barcelona and for some reason the track at eight o'clock in the morning was 36 degrees Well, i thought it would have been a lot you know a lot cooler than that and so i had my pressures slightly higher than i wanted and the handling of the car compared to the first race was terrible um it was
0: noticeably worse set up. and i just yep, had to no set up and tire pressures make a huge difference so V- oh
2: yeah, yeah. And I know what I'm aim- I know what I'm aiming yeah. for, um, and I will do a few practice sessions to kind of but get I mean, the, the psi. You know, if it's only just a couple of psi, it's not bad. But if it's
0: like the whole psi even just out, to the whole, then you do notice Back of the cars, I uh, if we remember yeah. back a couple of three, four years ago, maybe there was the I forget their name now. Gentleman Racers did it for uh, r Factor Two, the big massive endurance series mod. I uh, forget the name of the company now, but they did the big Endurance Series mod where they had uh, prototypes and GT cars and the Flat 6, which was the Porsche Cup cars. And when it first came out, Race Department were running it as the content... Enduro Racers, that's it, Davide, thank you. Uh, they were running it in the Race Department Le Mans Series. And I wasn't competing for time, but... Uh, one of the guys on staff, Damien Patel, his team, says, can I just have a run on the server in your prototype, see what I think of it? And I went on with stock setup, and I immediately thought, wow, this mod is awful. The handling's way off. It just does not feel nice or realistic. It's a rubbish, rubbish mod. And then uh, Damon gave me his setup, changed it completely, changed the way the car behaved, the force feedback the default setup felt like it had that phenomenon where the car steers from the middle almost which is very much like Project Cars and sadly AMS 2 as well uh put my setup on it, my force feedback changed, the weight changed, the handle of the car changed, and it became an exceptional piece of content. So, there's all sorts, like you said, there's hardware, there's physical car setup, there's uh, the detailed car setup as well, caster settings can change the weight of your wheel, can change the feedback through your wheel, so there's so many variables, and if any one of those variables are off, then that's going to give polar opposite driving experience from one man to the next or one person to the next man woman child whatever uh, and that that was never more uh apparent to me than the ender racers mod uh, yeah put a proper set upon there and that car came alive and it was it had gone from what i considered to be terrible to being arguably certainly at the time probably the best mod for our factor two out there and as you well know, as I've said many times before, when it sings, R Factor Two is the best sim out there as well for me. So that was a beautiful combo. Yeah, we'll,
2: we'll, we'll take all comments around R Factor Two as a pin, with a pinch of salt these days, <laughs> Paul, though, won't we? There, I
0: have no no bias. I separate those two jobs very firmly, uh-huh, very uh-huh, firmly. Uh-huh.
2: of course, do We'll we'll, we'll get yeah, on for to anybody who's the listening. Buy R
0: Factor Two; it's amazing. Buy it twice, actually. That'd be even better. That'd be, and then say Paul told <sighs> you to do it. That'd be amazing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. Okay, see what, I've, see what I've just started there. Uh, okay, all right. So, yep, some great stuff there around the force feedback. Good discussion. Okay, next one from LN Progress, which is a username on the forum. As EV road car manufacturers continue to innovate and global motorsport slowly evolves to embrace it with official series, what are some new approaches simulators can take to build up EV racing experiences now uh, there aren't many games that have ev based cars but we are aware that the game that we just talked about r factor 2 Wolf. does have a mod but it has official content for no Formula official e, content it's got 2018
0: 2019 and 2020
2: yeah official official content sorry that's what i meant i knew it was official i don't know why i said mod um and and i th- I, I haven't driven it I haven't bought it and I haven't driven it, and there's one reason is because the tracks don't appeal mm. to me more than anything else. But I, but the idea of actually racing a Formula E car or any other EV car. It, you know, it doesn't doesn't not appeal to me in the slightest. Like I would, I would drive it and have some probably have some really good. Well, races you know what? With it.
0: And I know I'm going to get criticism for allegedly being biased, and I'm really not. I am professional enough to put. But you've said this before about yeah, Formula E Formula content. E, I don't. FX2. I'm not a fan of Formula E. I've got. It's not because I don't like electric racing, although I do strongly prefer combustion engines. It's just I don't like the concept. Slow formula cars on difficult to overtake take tracks where there's a lot of contacts. It doesn't ring my bells. the tracks
2: do let it down, in my opinion. And the cars are too slow to go on other
0: tracks. So I get the whole concept, it's just not my bag. Uh, So traditionally, I'm not really that excited about it, but I'm also a sod for buying loads of content for Sims. I can't help it. So I got the Formula E cars, and honestly, they're beautiful. And I think to me, what that tells me is if a good piece of content is a good piece of content, for me personally, I'm a racing fan. So if if it's a Formula or a series or a championship I'm not particularly invested in in the real world, Good content is good content, and racing is racing. So actually, for me, in our factor Two Formula E is one of the best sim racing experiences you can get. And I would love, if I had time in a different life, to do a championship in that with people that are really talented enough not to be bouncing off the walls every 30 seconds uh, that would be I think that would be a fabulous experience Because the handling of the cars is great the modelling lovely I enjoy the lift and coast and regen battery element as well that's a, an aspect that's a bit different and then turning up the power of your battery which makes a massive difference if you have it on a low setting and you put it on a high you find 3 seconds but you burn high all the time you'll run out of juice before the race is over so but it's so it's more dramatic than fuel mixture in a combustion engine car. I think the whole package is really, really good. And for me, pound for pound, it's one of the best bits of content. You know, you know why it's more challenging than than,
2: than a, a car that's well, runs on on mm. fuel, right? Because when you're, say, you're in a normal road car, right? And you are cruising at 70 mile an hour, you can ease off the throttle and you improve the miles per gallon. In an electric car, the motors just have to keep running at that speed, so they use a lot more yeah, power. Yeah, it's so braking
0: performance. Electric
2: cars are less economical when they're going yeah. at speed. And also in a Formula Recar... And combustion engines are more economical when And in than a Formula
0: Recar, the longer your braking distance is, the more that'll recharge the battery for you. So there's lift Indeed. and coast, but there's also extending your brake. This is this is counterintuitive, but it's a fact. Extending your braking distance without slowing you down. So rather than going, like, 100% brake at 80 metres, Go sixty percent brake at hundred meters, and then feed it in, and that's that's an art in itself. That's a very different driving experience, and be-
2: yeah, that's I say yeah. that's a diff that's a completely different driving yeah. style to what I would race with. Talk you, is right,
0: because it's battery, so it's instantaneous. So you can't floor it on the exit of corner. You've got to feed, you're feeding the braking, you're feeding the throttle, and you're dancing on the pedals a heck of a lot more than you are in a combustion engine formula car. and For some people, that's your bag, some people it's not. But for me, that combination on a tight street circuit just resonated for me and I've really, really, to the point where I've actually bought the uh, there's a modder out there that does paid content, and they've done the Jaguar I pace trophy cars as well. And I actually bought. Oh, I was going to ask if that's yeah, out it's, there it's yet. Yeah. yeah, it's a modder, so it's not official content. I dare say it's not licensed, yeah. so it's moderately dubious that the fact they're selling it. So I'm not campaigning for people to go do that because uh, that's a grey area. But you do yes. that if you so wish, and I I personally have. And. That's also really nice. It's a very different driving experience compared to the Formula E. Because they're SUVs, as you would expect. But just, yeah, there's that. They are Factor 2 in Formula E. They've got a bunch of tracks, official content, laser scan jobbies. And there's also a guy out there uh, on Steam Workshop that's based... I think he's done 19 or something. So basically, almost every Formula E track that's ever been in existence is available. And I think Studio 397 indicated that they're... In, in the last roadmap, they're bringing out the attack mode, which is a bit Mario Kart, and again... Yeah,
2: I quite like that, It's an innovation, isn't it? <laughs> it's an innovation,
0: it's something a bit... I don't like it in racing, I despise the idea of attack mode, but it's it's something different, it's a new aspect to a yeah, sim that we've not had before. It. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah. And that actually kind of ties into the original question, that EV racing, electric racing, certainly from Half-Factor 2's point of view, eventually it will have brought Attack Mode, which is something new, that wouldn't have been in the sim before. It's brought some modelling in the electric drivetrain unit that, again, wouldn't have been in there before. So it's brought innovations into the simula- into simulation, which eventually will filter out to all sims, I'm sure. Uh, so it's brought a new element. and what i love about sim racing and pc sim racing in particular where you can expand it much greater than a console where we live in a world of dlcs and mods it brings a new experience to the race driver that's more than we had 10 years ago where basically you had formula gt and touring and that's your bag and they're all much of a muchness now we can race a bit of anything and i say i'm not a formula e fan but i love getting in a formula e car around new york city something just Mm -hmm. totally totally different and that's why i love sim racing that i can fire this game up any game pretty much i can race a group c sports car from the 80s i can race a 1920s uh bentley mod in in ac if i wish modern top level gt3 racing electric racing and basically everything on the spectrum in between and that to me is why i'm so proud and pleased to be in sim racing because as a petrolhead that sadly hasn't got millions to spend going and doing it in real life, sky's my limit. I can do what I want. And the mods are getting, and the, yeah. the the developers and the software is getting more and more advanced, seemingly every month, that five years ago we didn't have four-wheel drive, we didn't have hybrids, or any of that sort of tackle. We've got that now, to the point where we're actually getting diminishing returns and we're going for the real detailed stuff that the vast majority of the audience won't even accept, acknowledge or recognise. That, that turns me on. I like stuff like that. That ple- I'm a very simple guy, and things like that please me. Suspension wobble, uh, sorry, drivetrain wobble. I like stuff like that. Most people don't care, but <laughs> end of day, it's a bit dirty some racing, and you can go for the easy access stuff if you want, if you just want the privilege of having a race, but I like as close to a one-to-one replication, a real world as possible, and all developers to a lesser or greater extent are getting there, slowly but surely, so... Tying back into the "where are we in five or ten years?" question, it's only going to get better. It's only going to get more realistic. I think.
1: I think you're right, David. Dave, you got something to say? Yeah, uh, I hope that I get the question from uh, One Progress uh, that we are discussing about, uh, right? But um, I wanted to say that uh, the uh, the thing about uh, you know building the experience or the interest around EV cars. I think that uh, the problem with uh, electric vehicles uh, is not really the engine, but the car. Because if you take uh, a a car that, uh, for example, for me, uh, handles like uh, something from starting from the 50s up to the 90s, so a car that likes to oversteer four wheel uh, drift uh, and so on, and you Give them uh, uh, give it an uh, an electric engine. I don't mind because it's, uh, it's lots uh, it's lots of fun. Uh, the problem with electric vehicles uh, nowadays is that most of the time it's uh, some, uh, what some would say a soulless engine in a soulless car because it's uh, you know the engine is not making any particular noise and the car is uh, glued to the ground for uh, aerodynamic reasons. But as soon as you, uh, as you give the car a proper character, the electric engine uh, uh, becomes fun because that's what makes a, a, a car fun the, the way it handles, not um, just the sounds it makes. I'd agree that's, with uh, that. Yeah, I'd agree with sound. that to a point. yeah. Uh, so, going back to the question what can simulators do to build around the EV experience? I think that what they need to do is just get the experience right, I mean replicate every detail of those cars, because that's for example what stands uh, uh, seems like iRacing or uh, Assetto Corsa apart from others when it comes to hybrid engines, because they simulate uh, if not all of the aspects. uh, my, uh, most of the as, uh, most of the aspects of an hybrid engine, uh, the battery, the store energy, storing of the energy, deployment of the energy, different profiles uh, and so on and so forth. So if sims will do the same with electric engines, replicating them uh, as a realistic in uh, the most realistic way uh, possible, that's all they can do uh it's not their job to make the car more interesting that's the car manufacturer's job so uh yeah or the championships yeah or the series in which there is so all of this all that the sims have to do in my opinion is just get the uh simulation spot on for every aspect okay. of how these cars uh, behave, which is completely different from an IC engine, just as an hybrid engine is different from a sim. Uh... You've, made, you've made another good point there. What's going on tonight? It's a, it's a really good night. I think, I think. Something's, <laughs> up. something's up. Yeah. We can tell uh,
2: we've had a break. A We're all refreshed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Right, I'm just conscious of the time. Moving on. Uh, username Axel Rallamori. How long is the perfect lifetime for a sim? And will motion sims be, mainstr- be as mainstream as force feedback wheels are today, do we think?
3: Forever. Mm, interesting. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, the motion sims, unless they get down to the price of the wheels, the- are today. I think it's going to yeah. be a a bit of an investment to do for the for be the will be a long supervisor. road, will not it?
2: I mean, I see, especially on RD in the hardware form, which I do dip into from time to time. Yeah, the thing a lot a lot of the force
0: a lot of the motion stuff you see is uh, custom made because it it makes it But even with cost motions massive. So even if yes. motion came down to two hundred euros, which it never will, because that's ridiculous. But even if it did, it became Im- imminently affordable to the majority. You'd ideally you need a hard standing floor, so anybody that's upstairs yes. in their man cave, not not happening for oh, you no. right And you need yeah. some real estate to get it into because it's not small. Even the most compact offerings are still a percentage larger than your average rig. So just by its nature, it, I don't think it can ever become mainstream unless we all buy massive bungalows in the future and then you're laughing.
2: Okay. There you go. So bungalow sales are on the up.
0: Or you live in um, America where seemingly everybody's got humongous houses, which is...
3: So yes, that, they That's do. also yeah. an option because
0: England, like the price per square foot of land is probably like 10,000 times greater than any other country in the world, so it ain't gonna happen for us. Unless my wife becomes really, really, really like, friendly towards me and lets me take the living room and she has the living room in the man cave. That'd work. But that's not going to happen. That's not... Yeah, that's really not going And happen. then I've got a find 10 happen. grand to buy a motion uh, rig, which also ain't going to happen.
2: <laughs> Danny, how long do you think is the perfect life for a sim?
3: It depends. I mean, uh, as you see, AC1 still is still going strong, strong right? Yeah. Um, so it really depends on the sim. Uh, okay, so if
2: you buy if you buy a game, how... So the model seems to be now, you buy a game, we'll take ACC as an example, because that's one of one of more recent ones that's bought, you know, you buy the game as it's being developed.
3: Well, for me, it'll be and then... when I get tired of it. If there's no new content, of course, I will get tired of it earlier. If there's new stuff coming out, yes. it'll be fine. If you look also, there's been a factor of, um, for example, the reason why R-Factor 1 especially, um lasted so long was because uh, R-Factor 2 took a while to come out and there was not not really any alternative until AC1 came out like what six years after that so uh, after R-Factor 1 was released or more and what keeps AC1 going
2: is the modding community sorry the modding community keeps AC1 going
3: just like the modding community kept R-Factor 1 going even after R-Factor 2 came out because it was much harder to mod so it it depends If, if, if it's modding friendly, of course, it'll stay alive for much longer. But uh, if not, it'll depend on the amount of content that comes out. And if it's like a franchise of a yearly thing like the Formula One games, then it'll just last a couple of years. So, that, so that's
2: Danny there with a politician's answer. He answered the question without actually answering the question. I like it. it. <laughs> the answer is always it depends.
3: <laughs> depends on the type of game and what it can offer, basically. There's
2: David A, what are your th- how long do you think a sim, you know, if you're buying a sim, how long do you want it to be, you know, do you want to, do you think it should kind of lifespan? What do you yeah, think? of
1: course, when you spend money on something, you hope that it will last as, <laughs> as long as possible. So that, that goes also for a sim, but uh, yeah, it depends on how the sim has been built. So something modular, like for example, the original Air Factor or Assetto Corsa, uh, so AC1, can last, uh, you know, twenty or even more years, depending on uh, um, the support it, it gets from uh, mothers and uh, uh, the fact that uh, it can be um, a supplanted word when you replace something. I don't know. Maybe it's not English. <laughs> so let's i didn't what was the, I, didn't, I didn't catch uh, the word uh, supplanted
2: supplanted i don't know if it exists oh this word. no I think I know what you're trying to say
1: I think Yeah, let's, um, let's just say replaced yeah it's easy. yeah so, it's
2: replaced or surpassed or yeah so yeah. for example yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, the original air factor if uh, AC1 uh, uh, would have never come out, people would 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 still be playing it because of its modularity and uh, uh, the fact that it was basically the only one that you could uh, uh, completely mod but it was replaced for uh, AC and the same would be for AC so it it will last uh, as long as uh, another sim with the same kind of modularity will come and it goes also for other sims so for ACC as long as uh, another uh, title uh, featuring the same kind of cars and so on so it depends on uh, uh, how the sim has been built uh, how how long it will last or we can say maybe now that comes to mind we can say that a sim lasts as long as there is there is interest in it exactly boom
3: notable mention (laughs) for gtr2 it's been out for 14 years and it was not made as a moddable platform game and there are still people playing it today with power and glory and other mods today
0: yeah yeah so people that's are still 14 playing years so
2: seven as well but not many but there are still think the same
0: about full about with 14. pc gaming it's not at all beyond the realms of possibility to put a brand new graphics engine so like the gtrs of this world and even ac1 the developers have stopped developing those now so the community is keeping them alive and they're still alive and still active to a degree but
2: which richard burns yeah. rally is one that's still but, kicking yes. isn't it and grand prix three in theory
0: a developer could develop a sim title for 20 years Because as soon as it starts getting dated and new technology for graphics comes out, so things like uh, we've seen like the RTX and all that good stuff, just update the graphics engine. Because physics are physics, and they'll always be physics. They'll never change. So as you get more technology in the PC world, you can insert that technology as computers are more capable of doing stuff. You can insert that into existing software. You can build the content roster through DLC and add-on content, you could update the graphics engine or the sound engine or the UI or everything. So you, you can get a game that releases today in 2020, you can continue to develop it till 2030. It'll be an entirely different prospect altogether. So realistically, it depend if if a sim- if a software company wants to make a hardcore simulation, like we've seen with Riser and the original Automobilista that started out as GameStop car, then went to GameStop car extreme, then went to Automobilista 1. You can keep developing that and keep bolting on new technology and new advances quite literally forever. Uh, Because, again, if your core basics are right, if your physics engine's correct and you're putting numbers in and the game's representing those numbers accurately, physics will always be physics. There'll be more depth to what you can put into it, but as a PC, it's code. You can always add extra depth to existing code bases to represent stuff that you couldn't represent today, uh, you to represent tomorrow. So, the games that do tend to do quick turnaround of a new title tend to be the more accessible franchise stuff, like Formula One, Dirt Rally, and then you get the long burners, like the Listers and the R-Factors, and the mean, Race Room Racing Experience. That came out in, what, 2013? They're talking about having Unreal 4, or at the very least, DX12. So when the new graphics engine, if the new graphics engine comes out for the race room, that's going to look an entirely different prospect than what it did in 2013. It already handles entirely differently, because they've enhanced what they can do uh, from a physics point of view and the stuff that they simulate. So that has got an infinite lifespan on it until the developers decide to go down a different route and want to release a brand new piece of software which inevitably will just be what they've learnt up to that point, repackaged and called something new, and then the process will evolve as it would have done if you stayed under the same title. So yeah, interesting. So was that the yeah. answer more <laughs> precise
3: than mine, do
2: you think? No, I think for me personally, I mean, if you look at games consoles, I mean, not necessarily PCs, a games console lifespan's about 10 years, you know, until they release the next one. It doesn't mean that people suddenly stop playing. Because we're now talking, starting to talk about PlayStation 5 and the new Xbox, which I forget what it's called. Different space though,
0: consoles, um, isn't it? Because that is a tangible machine where a PC's like tr- triggers broom and all sorts stuff.
2: Yeah, but I mean, if you look at that, I, I mean, you know, I personally think if I bought ACC I want that, thank you, One X. It's the Xbox One X I Um I want the game to be developed for a minimum of five years. A minimum. Yeah. For sure. These days. And I think with a lot of sim racing games, it's not necessarily the games that come out every year. Because like, you know, you like your F1 2020s and so forth and your, you know, other like uh, I don't, I mean, I, I can't, I don't even know when the Gran Turismo game last came out, but that actually has some kind of longevity to credit to it, where credit is due. And um, but again, that's still console relatable uh, because it doesn't come out on PC. But yeah, I would a minimum of five years, and like we've said, the you know, Race Two Thousand uh, Seven, and there's still the community picks up these games which have a lot of love. You know, the Grand Prix, Jeff Grumman, was it Grand Prix 3 or 4, whichever one it is. There's still a huge money community out there for that. Richard Burns Rally has got a lot of love. And, um, you know, so these games still have some fun out there, even after developers uh, disappear or, or give up the ghost, uh, you know, developing the game. Right. Uh, next question. We've only got a few left. So uh, this one's from Dave so this is really for mr jeffrey since you talk to developers a lot i don't know how actually how often you Very talk regularly. to developers but you yes. fairly regularly what are their feelings and if you ever discussed it with them you might not have done what are their feelings and directions on adding vr to the newer games and how do they decide which ones will get vr and which oh, ones don't interesting question So you can see where this is going. One main developer is Codemasters. They seem to be taking over a lot of the main racing titles or genres, shall we say, and they didn't add VR, which would be nice if it was included.
0: To that question and the answer I'm going to give is Codemasters are the ones that I've probably got least contact with. So I don't talk to Codemasters very often at all. Normally it's through media agencies. But we've got, so let's think about this. We've
2: got VR in AC, we've got VR in ACC, we got VR in Auto Blister Two because AMS One came out when VR wasn't yep. even a thing. Um, R Factor Two, basically everyone. R Factor Two, yeah, racing. Well, they're they're, yeah. your, they're your main sim racing geeky yeah. type yes, games, aren't say, they? I
0: mean, I've spoken, and I shall remain giving no na- giving no names away. One of the Sims that you mentioned there, they put uh, They had no intention of putting VR on they put VR on because it was a commercial decision uh, that our partner needed VR for something they were doing and were willing to pay for it. Uh, so they, so okay. that came in to the back door. Uh, people like Automobilista, for example, they had VR as part, came in the box, came in the box. So you it came you in you the mind, engine, it, didn't it? R-Factor yeah. as well, that were always intended to have virtual reality because that's part of the usp of what they do so it's it's really like you say all the again it's down to that whole easy access mainstream stuff vr is not a mainstream piece of hardware it's not something console users where the most units are shifted applies
2: well xbox doesn't even have vr for instance playstation 4 does and I think there's talk about there being a newer version of the PlayStation uh, but again, VR. Again, though, it's all a bit dicey it, compared but, to PC for being... the
0: horsepower that they're dealing. So it's unit numbers. It's shifting units again. Traditionally, and yeah. I know I'm stereotyping uh, here, so it might not be 100% right, but PC-exclusive titles tend to be more for the detail, for the people that are willing to get down and dirty a little bit with it and want, mayb- maybe oh, not a game, but they want a sim racing experience. And easy access titles tend to generate mostly on console and are about shifting them, giving a good experience. I'm not belittling them in any way, shape or form, giving them a good experience, but VR doesn't shift units and is usually not working with uh, console. So the motivation for Codemasters, let's say, is this example that you gave us to put VR into a title is very, very minimal because it's development time, the engine's not natively supporting it, and frankly, it ain't gonna shift much in the way of numbers. So it's a cost versus benefit, simple, boring spreadsheet of it's gonna cost X amount of money to do. We anticipate it's not gonna bring that level of return back, or it will, but it's not high enough to make it worth it. Whereas maybe paying for a license of for Formula 3 will cost the same kind of money, but shift X number more units. So, I'm saddened about it because, as I said at the top of the show, I surprisingly, despite it not being my sort of thing, really like F1 2020. And I think, throw a VR headset into that equation. Mama mia, you've got an amazing experience. That's going to be mind-blowing. F1 2020 in VR would be exceptional. So I'd love to see it, but I don't anticipate it ever happening.
2: There is a mod out there that I know that got released about two or three months ago, and very early days. And when people played it, it made them pretty sick. Um, so, what, you talk a mod about to bring VR legs? VR
0: into F one?
2: No yeah, way! It is out there.
0: Yeah, is it, it is proper out VR there. though, or is it that thing where it just puts it on a big screen? In is it three dimensional depth perception VR, or does it put you in a big screen in the headset like we saw? For AMS One back in the day.
2: Honestly, it was so long ago that um, I saw a YouTube video about it, and I know that it's out there, but oh, I mate. haven't, I haven't revisited it. And and to be honest, haven't really paid that much attention. But like I say, it made people feel pretty ill oh, well, when they used it. So it was still, still early days, and I'm sure it's it my all interest though that in dude. If that's improved. proper
0: three dimensional traditional VR VR. Then I want a piece of that for sure. That's that might be enough for me to dig my Oculus out and start using it again.
2: I I mean, as you know, I have an Oculus as well, and uh, I bought these new uh, shelving units, and I've silly, stupidly blocked one of the VR sensors. I need to move, and I'm not that bothered about it now. Like, I if you if if it was a year ago, I would have been going VR 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 VR, but I've I've kind of. Not given I, I kind of have given up on it a little bit.
0: Getting a set of course or an open yeah, I think I car, do. Yeah, par- it's, again, Rouge. it's
2: it. The the there were there were there were a couple of things that go against VR, and I think the biggest one is the heat that is generated from yeah, the headset. Sure. Yeah, for me, you get very very hot, and I, I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but when i race during the summer my back gets hot and sweaty as it is i have had to buy some stuff to make my seat smell nice because <laughs> where i was sweating that much i started to feel like the seat was starting to stink a little bit because yeah. it's like a, it's not it's not leather it's like a like a, a material so i bought so some grease like, don't well, actually, buy your second hand rig, off,
0: rig off paul glover that's just not going to happen that's not nice she's
2: just ruined his business and um you know, I get a proper sweat on. So let alone putting a VR headset on as well, because I've upgraded, I've, I know I've talked about, it, I've upgraded from a Logitech wheel to a CSW 2.5. You know, I am sweating that much more because I've got that much more dynamism from the from the feedback, a lot more force that I'm fighting with. You know, going back to the, the force feedback thing earlier on, the question, you know, but I've noticed a huge step up going from that wheel to the to the to the 2.5 like huge huge and it's revolutionized my gaming god if i was to go direct drive i'm sure i'd have another um momentous leap um as well but yeah no um you know david day uh, sorry, danny even you got something you were saying
3: before um, well, like Paul saying.
2: you're very quiet danny like yeah, to point better. out
3: so that's better. Learn to use a microphone, my friends. <laughs> it's about time. Uh, so basically, like uh, Paul Jeffrey said, it's uh, the console games normally shift a lot more units because they're about giving an experience, like uh, be a Formula One driver. It's more about the the whole feeling of the whole uh, life of a driver, not just about driving as fast as possible and save a tenth here and there. That's more for the sim racers. And I think the VR is a bit yeah. the same. At least I, myself, I was amazed by it. And I actually, what I liked the most with the VR was doing um, oval racing and racing because you're constantly next to cars there. And every time you look left, right, and there's a car there, and that that was really, really cool. You can't beat that, But after a while, it's is, still, like just like you said, of- it gets really hot, especially, I did a two-hour stint yes. on R-Factor 2, and I said, oh, never again. In VR, and uh, it just gets uh, it's a bit more cumbersome in terms of menus, blah blah blah, and then it just wears out. This uh, I wouldn't call it as far as a gimmick, but this uh, novelty thing wears out, and then when you yeah, want to race I- quite often and uh, get better, it doesn't really bring, at least to me, doesn't bring anything more that
2: uh, yeah, the the the. The button things is definitely definitely a good point, like seeing buttons on the wheel or seeing buttons on your extra button boxes and then you hit the wrong... I mean, to be fair, even me, even without wearing a VR headset, I hit the wrong button from time to time anyway. Um, also not help when people decide to give me a booming drive-through. I think it's just um, a hassle as well. It. But, yeah. It's what just a hassle wanna...
0: with VR. It's a hassle getting the headset on, yeah. the thousands of different cables and get going through the different loading procedures and whatnot. If I, I could live with a heat because I'd just buy... A fan or some... I'd I'd acquire a cooling mechanism that's appropriate so I could live with the heat. Yeah. I'm certainly not bothered whatsoever about the lower resolution. I don't care about that because... uh, resolution is not important to me because the benefits you get from VR are far superior than picture sharpness. For me, it's purely the hassle. And in particular, the reason why I've personally stopped, which is unique to my circumstances, is I don't have a great deal of time to race anymore. And inevitably, whenever I do end up racing, it's when I'm recording something or preparing to record something for RD. So it's just literally not compatible. But if I could get a VR headset, if there was was such a thing as a good wireless VR headset, where I literally did everything that I normally do to get into a game, and before I press race, I literally put it on my head like a pair of glasses or some comfortable face solution, and I'm in VR, and I can go racing. I would never, ever, ever do anything different, but it's not. It's a big thing. It requires storage. It requires plugging in. You've got to boot up through a certain process and never bloody. Yeah, works. but even
2: when you do boot up, it doesn't you have to reinstall exactly. the software because an yeah, update broken
0: it. And I'm a technical noob, so if something starts going outside, Well, them, yeah, you know, we, we 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 know we, this, yeah. You're yes, a bit so it of a just, simple. It all, fella. It all yeah. becomes it just becomes hassle. And I think that I mean I got uh ironically, I got sent to uh, HTC Vive uh that was broken. <laughs> nice one. Cheers. Uh, and that's got like 10,000 leads. That's even worse than Oculus. That's That was like, honestly, I thought maybe they'd sent me a squid at first because there's that many tentacles coming off it. <laughs> uh, and that's just a, no, that's a no-go. I'm OCD about cables, so there's no way I'm interested in that. But if we get down to the level where I'm sure we will, where we go wireless or almost wireless, happy days. Happy, happy days. The pop the pro the pro the
2: problem is with um with going wireless for VR is it needs the processing power yes. of the PC to do to do the heavy lifting. Um, you know, Oculus and other brands are doing the inside out tracking stuff, which has its you know, which is great because it means you haven't got to do have your little satellite sensors, but it also means that sometimes when you pull your hands uh, to the side and things like, if you're playing like a like a, ga- a game where you're having to reload and things, and you, you some of these games you reload by putting the the gun behind your head, it because of the sensors locations it kind of mistracks things. There are, there are, you know, pros and cons to to whatever to whatever setup. Uh, or whatever they all system, get better in
0: time, as old technology does, won't it? It
2: will, it will, it will. It's just, uh, it's the yeah. heat thing for me, which is the thing. and also your eyes just start to feel really tight. And for someone that wears glasses, it can also be a little bit cumbersome yeah. it's as particularly well. Particularly about
0: people that wear glasses. Glasses aren't too bad, but glasses are fire.
2: Because <laughs> oh there's no R, oh there's no my R, god. there oh is no R in glasses. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> on that bombshell, let's move on, shall we? uh Next one's from. Uh, I've literally we've got three more. Michelle uh Since COVID nineteen came around, I don't, I've never heard of it. Uh, there's been a perception that sim races popularity has grown. I wonder how you can measure this. For example, did race departments see a positive increase in memberships since early March? And has there been an increase in activity on the ID forums? Paul, you're probably yeah, best to,
0: boring to cover to, this uh, one. Thank you for the question, although it's a relatively boring subject, so I'll keep it short. Yes, we saw more visitors, uh, more engagement, a little bit more members, but nothing great shakes. But certainly plenty more visitors and the biggest... Test of how much more popular sim racing is post COVID 19 or mid COVID 19 is the fact that doors are open to us now that were not open before. So I can, uh, we've got a video that's going to go live at some stage in the near future. We just got in touch with Andy Prio, who's, anybody who doesn't know him, four a uh, three time world touring car, one time European touring car champion, and drives for Ford uh, in GT racing now. I would never have been able to contact him and say, can I have an hour of your time to talk sim racing? But I did, and he's like, yeah, yeah, no worries. And I only wanted a short segment from him. We had an hour and a half together, and he was a great guy. Because sim racing, he he was always, his, his son, Seb, who's was also a racer, was always into sim racing, and Andy kind of found it through lockdown and realised just how damn good it is. So that's the biggest test of how much more popular it is. It's now all pretty much socially acceptable in the real world. I mean... I shouldn't really say it, but when we did SRO last year, uh, when we were on site, back in the day when you could travel, I miss those days. Oh, yeah, I remember those days. We did days. our sim racers that won the, the podium, the top three, went onto the podium proper. And that was a really cool initiative and a nice experience to stand at a Monza, let's say, on the podium. But a bit cringe, and everybody's like not quite sure what to do about it and what sim racing is and why these people are here. That would be totally different, I venture, the next season, next season when we go and we're back on trackside, because it's become acceptable. The real drivers know what it's all about. They're engaging with it, and they're interested for the majority and impressed by it for the majority. So it's opened a lot of people's eyes. It's opened a lot of the general public to understand that actually, this is not kiddie gaming. This is a pretty hardcore, realistic experience. But most importantly, it's opened the door for brands and for manufacturers and for real-world drivers to think, actually, you know what? I want a piece of this. I mean, just look. Just look at what's happening. You've seen all these brands doing official series now. The, I mean, Ferrari, for example, something I'm involved with, started their first-ever eSports series a couple of weeks ago. That wouldn't have been an opportunity, I don't think, two years ago. But they've seen the value in it. They've seen the level of it as well, Uh I needed the Lamborghini yeah, one as yeah, well, didn't it's you? That sort of thing. The SRO championships, of course, as well, which is rather than a brand is a full yeah. series, and we've seen others, the Formula E race at home that we've discussed ad nauseum in the past, uh, and basically, like pretty much everything, that you can, even Mini UK have been running their own series. Yeah, they so, have. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and
2: it made me laugh because it made me think about the yeah RD the ADMC ADT Mini, RD so, RDMC,
0: RDT mini, champion. mini so, so Championship. So everybody's yeah. getting involved now, and that's been. Fabulous, I think, because, I mean, I'm not talking from a position of knowledge here. I'm just making an assumption. But you're seeing simulations that we play are starting to acquire licenses and bring out content that was previously a little bit more difficult to get. Ferrari have come to our Mm -hmm. factor too. I have no idea. I've got no insider knowledge. I have no idea if that's because Ferrari are now more acceptable to sim racing than they would have been back in the day and they actually see benefit in it or whether it's coincidence or what, but you see it across the board. Ferrari's in uh, iRacing as well, and Project Cars has always been in, of course, but there's a lot more brands seen appear from the outside looking in to be willing to participate in giving a license to these companies. Yeah. So that's fantastic. And from race department's point of view, obviously as well, we, we've seen more traffic, uh, which is nice, which shows that people are more interested in learning more in our hobby. At the end of the day, it is an exceptionally good hobby, otherwise we wouldn't be giving up our time for nothing, sat here talking about it. It's an exceptionally good hobby, and I think if a motor racing fan can can see it and understand it's more than just the stereotype, kiddie with a controller, in a Lamborghini Huracan with neon lights underneath it, going sideways at 300 mile an hour through a field, it's more than that, then I see no reason why they wouldn't convert to it, because it's basically opening up an opportunity for someone who's not rich to go motor racing. And and no matter how Indeed. good or realistic the simulator that you're using is, no matter what hardware you've got, a hard race online against somebody who's the same level you are, going toe-to-toe for 15 laps, it's a phenomenal experience, regardless of what sim it's in. So, what's not to like if, if racing's your thing? Indeed.
2: we're We're just going to uh, get uh, Mr. I like to give out drive throughs like Candy <laughs> Bars, Danny uh, Montero. <laughs> nice uh, job. Yes, Danny. Yeah,
3: basically, what I think uh, has helped the most, not only the uh, race department, but also sim racing as a whole, was that since the a lot of the um, real series got involved in the sim racing, they are now what is helping and now even more is that they're bringing it out back into the real racing because. Uh, they now can relate, they can talk about it in uh, during those moments of racing where there's not much happening. Or the opposite, for example, I don't know if you've watched the six hours of Nürburgring, was it last weekend I think? Uh, at some point during the beginning of the race there were many, many cars and of course the beginning of the race, six hours, so of course everybody's gonna go crazy like a sprint race because that's what <laughs> drivers do. And that, that they were like bumper to bumper like three, four cars in a row and then they were fighting through the first few corners. And the commentator who is uh, John Watson, which uh, has been in racing for a long, long time, he even said, Oh, it looks like we're watching sim racing. So even if an older guy that just got into learning what the sim racing thing is, being like from the old school guys, like, Oh, this computer stuff, even he got like sold, he said, during the SRO series. And then he was saying, Looks like sim racing because the racing was so intense and so close. So that shows that it has had an impact and it's hopefully going to.
2: Cool. Yeah, I mean, when you when you, I mean, there are there are certain commentators out there that bang on about the fact you're watching a game, and I wish <laughs> they would so much. But the likes, <laughs> but the likes of John Watson, um, uh, you know, when he first got introduced to to ACC, you know, you could tell he was like, I can't believe this is a game. Like he genuinely was shocked, Surpri- not shocked, surprised is probably the word I'm looking for. He was surprised and. You know, for me, going back to Paul's point earlier on, and I know we probably we probably ram this home again and again and again. We are looking for realism, and when you're watching sim racing, you you sometimes want to be don't want to be reminded every thirty seconds that you're watching sim racing. We're looking there for the realism. Don't keep taking me out of the room. Like talk about it, maybe during the 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 introduction or the or the interval at the end but when we're watching the racing don't take me out of the experience and i think that's really really imp- for me that's really really important um so yeah and uh anyway um three more questions to go. we got we got this one we got a couple three of fun more questions ones, to, I have
0: to go for the last to... five questions no
2: no no these are three don't no, these are three so but Biro has asked, as a sim racing newbie, what is the best way to get into online events after mainly doing practice runs, AR races, and time trials for a few months. Join
0: race department and sim racing GP yeah.
2: and simple sim racing GP. Yeah,
0: yeah. And
2: for me, um, I have. I mean, even though I don't, I'm not necessarily a rookie. But I am in regards to league racing. I have been taking part in racing events at ACC SS, which has actually been a real experience for me. And they all run on they all run on sim racing GP, so keeping it keeping it in the family. And uh, I've as a driver for me personally, I feel like I have learned a lot from this experience because it's not because when I've done races before, it's always been about that one race. But when you're in a league, it's it's about more than that. It's about beating Steve in the championship, <laughs> which I did.
3: <laughs> it's cool though, because it gets you just like the experience you, you can have in a Formula One game of having your rival driver or your yeah. teammate. Yeah, you can, you yeah.
2: And I turned Steve into <laughs> be yeah. a rival, which is great. It gives another dimension um, to, the, to the racing. Thing is, mate, practice runs are great. AI races are okay. But they're not you can't beat racing against real people and as long as you're respectful and you follow the rules and you don't do anything stupid and competition you'll be competition you'll be
0: advances learning in every single exactly. walk of life competition in ha- if you read if you want to learn times tables at school for example and you're sat studying your book you'll learn it at a certain speed but if you've got a mate or you want to beat and you want to learn it quicker than him a bit of competition it enhances everything, and that and going online it like you said, Paul. You might do a league, you might do one, you might do ten leagues, and you might be last and last by a long chalk. But you tick that knowledge box off. You know what this is all about. You know how to behave. You know how yeah. to load up.
2: I mean, I was. I mean, you know, when these when I when I do when I've hosted club races at RD, you know, people would people would come on and go. Oh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll be at the back, and I was like, look, I started everybody there. starts at the back I, by I'm definition.
0: Everybody starts at the back, don't they?
2: Yeah, like, but I would be. I was like five, eight seconds off the pace. Is where now I'm generally maybe anywhere from us, from half a second to two and a half seconds off the pace, whatever depending on the track. Because some tracks I'm just naturally faster at. But you know, don't don't be scared of going. I mean, I I would stay away from your general your general oh, online racist. Don't, do you know, don't, don't do public lobbies. They're just
0: the souls. Don't don't do
2: public lobbies, because that's just gonna that'll just break your heart and just ruin you for the for, for life. Um but you know join a community get involved um and and i have think a bit like you laugh. and Danny said paul um, i
0: think the beauty of joining a community is you are more often than not racing against some of the faces and names that you've raced against previously so it be, you become more invested in it because you know who joe and jane blogs are and stuff in and, you, and you, they yeah. you also build a yeah, trust yeah, yeah. up yeah. so you know that person x is yes. not going to do something stupid at the breaking point or they're going to leave like in public yeah,
2: or you learn, or you learn yeah. who the stupid mean, person I've is. I've raced yes. a lot yes. in the
0: past at RD, and I got to the, I got in the habit of knowing that if I'm too wide with somebody, we'll be okay because we're both intelligent. I've got into public lobbies and I've put myself in a very clear overtaking position, and then just get punted off because they're idiots. Because so, and that yes. takes all the fun out of everything. Then and then then that you tar online racing in the same brush that everyone's an idiot, and unfortunately, some people will then resort revert to that level themselves but there's nothing and i mean absolutely nothing more pleasurable than racing against people irrelevant how fast they are that are sensible and respectful like we find at rd and sgp and the various communities within it where you know you can have a race with somebody you know you can go too wide into t1 or hey you and me paul where we used to race together all the clubs we've been too too wide for two-thirds of a lap Uh, and you can race people Mm -hmm. and you can have a clean fight and even if like in real motor racing you've got enough speed to get up behind them but not enough to overtake knowing that you're pushing your absolute limit and not even getting alongside that is mind blowing fun I mean
2: mean, people I mean you know People still are going to make make mistakes, and in ACCSS, you know, I made a few. And you know, but
0: yeah, but they're making you know, the mistakes. person that I their
2: race. They 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 are annoyed, but they're not as annoyed as I am because I don't like making and everybody mistakes.
0: Everybody makes mistakes, and that's perfectly um, okay. It's when you're sending it without breaking into the source, and then you're scratching yeah, your ass yeah, wondering yeah, why yeah. you took five cars out. That's <laughs> stupidity, making a mistake and outbreaking breaking yourself or making contact. Yeah. that's the nature of the beast, and don't be afraid of that if you're new because every time you do that hopefully one would hope you take away a lesson from that and you've learned something and you know that that 50 50 scenario in future is just not worth doing at this moment in time
2: yeah and and also i was I, there was, there was someone in the, in the, no i no i i never do but there was someone in the discord like you know going about oh i need to get the tie pressures right but i was like i was like no no you're focusing on the wrong thing like that's the last thing we'll be worrying about you want to be, just be putting the laps in. You want to be practicing, You want to learn how the car behaves, and you want to and you want to learn the track. And then and then the last the last thing you want to concentrate on is the tire pressures. Yeah, they pay they pay play a part, but they're not the be and end all. The most important thing is keeping until it until you become with the black an expert.
0: Stuff. Until you become an Uber alien, then the vast, vast majority of lap time you're going to find in yourself. Always. When exactly. You get to
2: the... exactly, but it seems that people focus on those, those kind of details. And without I think actually really. that
0: is a product of playing in isolation. So playing offline or these one-off public hobby lopping. And you realise very quickly when you get into a community or you get into a regularly, like we did with your uh, events, Paul, where I joined quite a few of those club events at RD. you very, yeah. very quickly, if you don't already know it, start to realise that actually, yeah, When you get to the point where you can lap within one-tenth of your ultimate pace, easily, for 40 laps, consistently, without ever dropping outside of that window of one or two-tenths, then, good sir, you need to look at your setup to find the extra three or four-tenths for a second. But I'd I'd (laughs) venture that 99% of people with a racing sim aren't at that level. So you will always find more speed in you than you will... You said to do the laps, get safe. Oh, get yeah, clean. Some,
2: something that I've really improved yeah. on is by trail braking, and that's where I find it a, a, but a, again, lo- a find lot But again, you find time, so and I, you know, I owe thanks to Driver yes. 61 for. But going back you to know, the original that, question, you, know?
0: you learn faster, you're learning, and to be quite honestly, with your enjoyment is accelerated by being in the spirit of competition. And if you're getting last, don't no matter, yeah,
2: and AI, AI, like especially in ACC, you know, I. The AI is too predictable. It's not a challenge to um, to get past them because each car just seems well, to do the, the same thing. The if you're going so...
0: online and you're racing regularly and you're always last, you're, there's nothing wrong with that. You're always, always last. You're nowhere near anybody no. else. That won't last forever. It might do. And if, it, if so, no. lucky you. But it probably won't last forever. And the second you're not last, the second you beat one of your rivals or you find some lap time or suddenly you're in a fight, even if you don't get involved and don't do anything, be in a fight where previously you were not, I, I guarantee now, mark my, my words, this is a set-in-stone guarantee from Paul Jeffrey, the satisfaction you get from that will be a million times higher than any satisfaction you'll get in sim racing by seeing a tangible improvement. Oh, yeah. That will trump beating AI at 110%, or whatever scenario you find yourself in, hot-lapping on a leaderboard and getting the fastest time, going from being where you're at a step changing up one and racing with somebody or beating somebody is the most that's why I've spent a lot of money on my gear that's why I give up basically every minute of my day to do some racing stuff because that feeling is untouched it's amazing
2: yeah and I'd just like to point out dear listener Mr Paul Jeffrey is the one that really wants to finish and um, you know, but it's talking. amazing though. once he starts mate. talking you just can't get get in there to cut him off to, to make him stop at, but in a more serious note at the beginning of the podcast I did mention that we had another topic and the topic that we were going to discuss was about leagues and one-off events and things like that so byro if you're listening uh, you know i would uh, you know really be interested for you for the next episode cuz i think we'll talk about a lot of stuff that you will find really interesting and not just for you but other listeners out there as well because you know it, there are some great Things going on right now in the, in the sim racing world. Well, not, not, we're not talking pros, we're not talking e We're talking just for your, your general sim racing fan, um, like us. And that's what, that's what we are. And I put us, I put us in that, in that bracket. Um, but anyway, I'm sorry, I'm not going to go, David, day or Danny on that one because we're basically run out of time. And, uh, I'm looking at the clock, I'm thinking, I really want to get some sleep. So, sorry, and I'm sure you guys you are thinking line. the same I want to get some so. dinner, never mind some sleep. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. Anyway, it's been another great episode of the podcast. Thank you, dear listeners, for um, listening. Like I say, next next one is going to be, we're going to be talking about leagues and one-off events and, you know, what about practice and, and, and all these kind of things and, and learn from the guys' experience and hopefully that you guys can... Could learn something too. Um, so yeah, and, and as well as that, we'll talk about some of the leagues that are on um, sim racing GP that are going on at the moment. And like I said I, I, I'm taking part in ACCSS. I've preferred to um, drive throughs a couple of times in this podcast. With Danny, <laughs> Danny gave me a drive through <laughs> in an event, um, and um, I'm a little bit salty about it still. Uh, because it should never have been a drive-through penalty. It should have been a 10-second uh, penalty. It basically, ruined my race. So there we are. But you know, Danny will learn from that mistake, like you would if you were racing and you hit someone up the arse. You know, like you you learn from it, right? And you adapt and and you move on. Um, it's just that, for, unfortunately, for him, that I'm holding it. Um, I'm holding it against him. It's okay. Uh, it's okay. But no, uh, I just, I just, yeah, I know. I just once, once a joke's with me, that's it. I just keep on running that bad boy. Um... Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on there right now. As Paul mentioned, he's, he's involved in the Ferrari um, eSports series. I've seen American Truck have got some announcements. Formula One's obviously been doing back-to-back races recently. Wreckfest uh, has got an update. There's loads of stuff. Um, R 9 R-Factor 2. Paul, do you want to quickly tell us about your new job yes, for Studio hello.
0: 397? Uh, I work for Studio 397 now, whoop, whoop, which is very exciting. There you go.
2: Right, brilliant. Thanks, Paul. Uh, obviously we want to you know want to touch on Williams end of an era at some point as well. Uh, Automobile Blister 2 has had more content. PCAST 3 has come out um, and it's been um, highly regarded in the uh, sim racing community. <laughs> Don't forget you can check out our racing club events that are going on. Uh, the ACC sim racing club now is on sim racing GP uh, and it's really good to see on SimRacingGP, they've also been testing mods for a set of Corsa One, which is really good to see. So, some of the modded content's coming out that's tracks and cars and, and so forth. And it's SimRacing.GP, just so you know, if you want to check that out. If you um, if you are a premium member RD, if you message Bram Hengelveld or you message myself or or if you message uh, what's his name I've forgotten his name anyway message somebody and we'll give you an invite for that and uh, yeah don't we also uh, got our YouTube channel our Twitch channel and we're on all the socials just search for Race Department you'll find us we also have a Discord channel as well you'll find details about that at we where also the forum um, and it's not Steve Worrell um, it's somebody else thank you but Steve Worrell runs uh, ACCSS, and actually um, he did a thing uh, video was really really funny credit where credit is due Mr Worrell you have kept me entertained but also I beat you in the championship so unlucky you and you were ahead of me as well that's, how does that? How does that sound? How does that? Does that hurt? I hope so. Uh, David, thank you very much as always Thanks for joining. For me. Yeah, it's been good to hear your voice. Danny, thank you very Going much. for you.
3: Thank you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and Mr. Jeffrey, thank you for your ever as ever as ever your uh, ramblings. Thank you very much,
0: and don't forget to register for Ferrari Esport Hublot Series at www.ferrariesportsseries.gg for the next round at Barcelona. There you go he's got very <coughs> corporate
2: have you noticed guys he's got very you, you corporate wave, lately he's, 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 he's a changed a man he's a changed man and
0: I'm yours <laughs>
2: <laughs> well thank you very much dear listener I hope you've enjoyed this episode we're uh, we're probably coming up now to about an hour and 45 minutes so uh, it is a long one we haven't been around for a while but thank you very much do subscribe do leave us a review on the platforms where you can leave us reviews Apple is one of them, I know more and more. Uh, like uh, a cast now, you can do reviews and, and so forth. There's more and more, but thank you very much. Like I say, don't forget check us out on socials, check us out on YouTube, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. I've been Paul Glover. This has been the Race Department Podcast. Cheerio.